This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. I'm pumped for this episode. Uh, the markets are down. Well, we had a good week last week, but you know, overall, 2022 has been tough, and we've taken the opportunity to uh, speak to as many of the experts in the Equity Mates network as possible, learn from them, see what they're looking at. And uh, we've got a great expert today. I'm excited for this one. Uh, I'm so excited as well, Ren, that uh, I couldn't wait to get into it. I forgot to press record when we started this. So, uh, <laughs> so for the second time. <laughs> so for the second time, back by popular demand, it is our pleasure to welcome Roger Montgomery. Roger, welcome. Great to be with you guys again, again, again. <laughs> <laughs> So we are recording, which is good. And uh, Roger is the chairman and chief investment officer at Montgomery Investment and has been on the show a couple of times uh, as well as uh, on our AusBiz channel. So make sure you go and check that out if you'd like uh, even more info on on what uh, Roger does at uh, Montgomery Investment. But Roger, so much going on in markets. We'll start with just sort of your general thoughts. Sure. How do you sort of summarise what's going on at the moment? So we've had an enormous compression in PE ratios and historically that happens every time interest rates go up or inflation accelerates, right back to the 70s. We've just had the biggest sell-off in bonds uh, since the 1980s and in response to that, PEs have compressed. And what's interesting is the S&P 500's off about 18% or thereabouts. PEs have compressed by about 20%. In aggregate, there's stocks that have compressed a lot more than that. We'll get into those. <laughs> a lot of them don't have E, though. Yeah, there's no, that's right. There's no earnings in those ones. And so what that tells you is that, you know, the fact that the there's there's sort of a, a reasonably 
uh, high correlation between PE compression and the market fall tells you most, if not all of that market fall has been the result of PE compression. It hasn't been because earnings have declined yet. In fact, earnings estimates are still rising. The FactSec data for consensus earnings shows the last update, uh, analyst earnings expectations for both 2022 and 2023 have gone up. What's actually happened, if you dig down a little bit more, is revenue expectations have declined slightly, but profit margins have gone up. And so the net effect has been a rise in profits. So at the moment, all of the stock market fall that we've seen has been this PE compression. If we get earnings declining, you know, and a lot of economists are forecasting a recession or some are, mm. not all of them are, but they're all forecasting lower growth next year. If we got a recession, then what you'd find is the sell side analysts that are responsible for feeding the data into those fact set consensus estimates, a lot of those analysts would be reducing their earnings expectations or derating. And in that case, you then get PE compression and then another leg lower because you get earnings declines. Mm. Now, we're not there yet and we're seeing the market bouncing. So, Roger, you just mentioned there that uh, they expect revenue to drop but they expect profit margins to increase, which mm. doesn't seem to gel with the idea that inflation is running rampant across the economy. Indeed. And in, in particular, pr producer price inflation is up. That wouldn't suggest that profit margins are going to expand. So what's the thinking there? Well, I think at the moment, the sell-side analysts are optimistic and I'm just you know, reading between the lines, they're optimistic that these companies will be able to pass on the price increases, mm -hmm. partly because people's wages are going up, you know, because the labour market's really tight. But then you'd expect revenue to be up as well, wouldn't you? Yeah, indeed. Well, you'd expect revenue to go up and you expect profit margins uh, to expand. Mm. That's right, both would go up, but that doesn't seem to be happening yeah, at the yeah. moment. So we're calling so, out sell-side analysts here. We're going hard yeah. early. <laughs> so, so it tells me that you know, what you really need to be doing now is thinking about individual stocks. Mm. You know, the macro has driven, the macro economic picture has really driven a lot of what's happened in the market so far. And until we see the US Federal Reserve and the Australians, the Australia's RBA working to contain short-term inflation expectations, you're probably not going to see a sustained rally in stocks. Having said that though, Today, I literally just instructed my bank to add to an investment in one of the funds that we distribute in Australia run by Poland Capital in the United States. Um, they've got a small and mid-cap fund um, called the Poland Global Small and Mid-Cap Fund. I invested in that at inception, put in what would be a lot of money for a lot of people, but relatively small proportion of my portfolio because it's global small caps. When we started distributing in Australia, the, the PE of the portfolio was 44. The PE is now 25. Wow. So the portfolio has fallen by about what's actually happened, about 70%. 70% of the decline in the unit price has been due to PE compression and about 30% is actually being earnings growth. So the portfolio is off about 35%. Now, most people would think, oh, that's terrible. You must be panicking. Well, no, in fact, I'm not. You know, Warren Buffett's just invested 51 billion US dollars in equities yeah. <laughs> in the first three months of the year. Yeah. I'm putting more money in. In fact, I, I, as I said a moment ago or alluded to a moment ago, I called my banker this morning, sent them an RTGS transfer request and said, I want you to top up my investment mm -hmm. in the fund. Mm -hmm. So I'm putting more money in the market. And if it, if I get it wrong and the market falls further, well, I'll add I'll add increasing amounts as well yeah. as the PEs get lower. So I just want to contextualise this uh, fall in PE uh, uh, in relation to what like the long-term average is because PEs have fallen, but the last few years PEs were incredibly high. Yes. Uh, so 
Where are we in relation to the long-term average? Are we there yet or are we still above The it? long-term average is not that important. We're about the 10-year average okay. right now, or just, just below it, actually. Yeah, right. We're just slightly, for the S&P 500, we're slightly below the 10-year average. Yeah. But that's probably less important than having a look at where P's are relative to uh, other times P's have compressed. Okay. So in the 2018 correction, we're about the low point of the 2018 correction, and we're very, very close to the low point of the 2020 COVID sell-off. So that gives you a better idea. You know, we really are in the doldrums. We really are very low in terms of recent history. Mm. But remember, after the 2020 sell-off in the market, we saw unprecedented fiscal and monetary policy support. And after the 18 sell-off, that was when the Fed started lifting interest rates quite rapidly. Mm. Then they, once the market fell, they stopped. I think the market fell about 20%. They stopped and then they started cutting rates really quickly mm. again. Mm. And at the moment, the US Federal Reserve is being rather hawkish. You know, they're saying, well, we're going to keep raising rates until we can control inflation. Remember, this is the same Federal Reserve that, you know, six months ago was saying rates would stay at zero for all of 2022. And prior to that, the Fed was saying inflation would be transitory. I actually am probably the odd one out. I still believe inflation will be transitory. I still believe that if we can contain short-term inflation, inflation expectations, long-term inflation expectations are still very low. Yeah, right. Uh, as long as we can contain those expectations and not give in to demands for higher wages, we'll see some of this pass. It will be painful and it will take longer because, of course, a lot of it is supply-driven. The Fed and the RBA in Australia can't do anything about the supply constraints. They mm, can't do anything mm. about the bottlenecks in the supply chain. They can't yeah. change that. Yeah. So what all they can do is contain demand, try and bring back throttle demand. And the way to do that, of course, is to lift interest rates. What you've got now is, in, and I'll share with you, a friend of mine owns a chain of um, IGA supermarkets in Victoria, in rural Victoria. He, along with others, are dedicating the amount, are increasing the amount of space in the fridges that they're dedicating to mincemeat. Mm. because people are trading down. You know, they're not buying as much lamb, they're not buying as much expensive cut, as yeah, many right. expensive cuts, and they're buying mints. We know that high petrol prices is, is acts like a tax on people's spending. We know higher interest rates acts like a tax. You know, we know the US dollar acts like a tax on the rest of the world. You know, all of these things are having an effect on people's ability to spend at the same time that house prices are coming off, not only in Australia, but in the United States. In Canada, we're seeing it in New Zealand, we're seeing it. It's happening as well here. It started. And so people are feeling less wealthy. So the combination of those two things is enough to contain spending. So I don't think that central banks will need to raise rates quite as much as what the market currently expects. Yeah, that is super interesting. And I remember when we spoke to you late last year, you were very, uh, I guess, bullish on the fact that, yeah, yeah, inflation is transitory and um, this is something that we'll sort of um, get through. So I guess if you still sort of believe that, how are you positioning your portfolio at the moment or thinking about investment opportunities now versus everyone else who's now saying, you know, forget the growth, get into the yeah, well, we industries think- that are... Inflation. So defensive stocks, you know, the typical sort of, you know, your, your more mature businesses that have stable income streams, that's where everyone went to at the start of the sell-off. Yeah. And now, relatively speaking, those stocks are expensive. So it's the growth stocks that have fallen the most. It's the quality growth that's fallen the most. So if PEs, so just, I mean, there's some basic, basic arithmetic that's really useful knowing when it comes to investing. If you buy and sell a stock on the same PE ratio, your internal rate of return equals the earnings growth. Yep. 
right? So if you buy a stock that's earning $10 today on a PE of 10, you've paid $100 for the shares. If it grows at 15% per annum, you're going to double your money in five years. You're going to get 15% because the earnings are growing at 15%. Your return matches the earnings growth rate. And so now that PEs have compressed, you're getting these stocks quite cheaply. I mean, the reaction in the market has been unbelievable. You know, there's a, a telecom, discretionary telecom provider called a, the stocks ABB. They basically said that their subscription growth was slowing slightly. They uh, announced that it would impact their revenues to the tune of 1%. The stock fell 35% that Jeez. day. Wow. You know, so, so you're getting these overreactions and you've got to remember that old Buffett aphorism, which was be greedy when others are mm. fearful and be fearful when others are greedy. Well, right now everyone's super fearful. Mm. So it is really important to be investing yeah. during this time. So back to your question, which was, you know, what are you investing in? Well, there's a couple of themes. So one of them is uh, we want to go for things that are structural growers. We want to look at companies that really aren't sensitive to changes in economic circumstances. So, for example, Macquarie Telecom is a business that fits that mould. You know, it's a business that we know it's selling enterprise-level cloud and, you know, and defence-level data centres. It's got growth ahead of it. And as it fills out its data centres there in, in Epping or North Ride, you know, it's going to just start throwing off cash when it's fully tenanted and it'll be able to increase the rate that it charges for those services. And guess what? Someone like a Canadian teacher's pension fund will come along and take it over. Mm. You know, that that's the sort of business that we like. Mm. Another thematic that we think makes sense is uh, quality growth. So these are the, you know, your classic businesses like ARB, they've fallen 35%. You know, there's there's been some pull forward demand, so there's going to be a bit of an air gap uh, in terms of, uh, their earnings and the market's really nervous about that. But that's why you can buy it not at $55, you can buy it at $30 today. Mm. You know, it's fallen a long, long way. And this is run by the Brown brothers and it's an extremely high quality business. Um, you know, they're generating 22, 23% return on equity, got no debt to speak of. They've made some tactical acquisitions and raised some money over the last 10 years. Uh, you know, and I reckon they're worth about $28. Now, will you get to buy it at a discount to $28? I don't know, but I've already bought some, you know, thinking that, you know, they're, they're worth, you know, they're worth close to value or they're trading close to what they're worth. And I'm owning them for five years. You know, everything that we do at Montgomery and with the funds that we partner with, everyone's thinking, if I was a bear, a grizzly bear, and I went into hibernation for five years and I came out and opened my eyes and had a big stretch, would I be worried about the things that we're worried about today? Probably not. The world's moved on mm. from those things. And we might look back on this period and go, wow, I can't believe I got to buy that company at that price. Yeah. But having said that, the caveat is that we do get much more broad acceptance of a, the possibility of a recession. So notice I didn't say we get a recession, we just get broad acceptance of the possibility. You just need sentiment to change mm -hmm. towards the possibility of a recession and that's enough for people to bring down their earnings estimates and then share prices fall. Then that sets you up again. You know, there's a, there's a silver lining to all of this because what happens at that point is that markets have a much easier ability to actually beat analyst expectations and then you get re-rates. Yeah. So yeah. you get big reversals back up in price. I've been doing this for a long time, guys. I've been doing this for 32 years. 
And I can tell you, I've seen the market sell off lots and lots of times. I've seen it recover slowly. I've seen it recover quickly, but every time it recovers. Yeah. So Roger, uh, we're getting to some individual stocks, how you're positioning your portfolio. And I think that's where we want to spend most of this time. But I do want to ask one question about, uh, inf- I guess, inflation, interest rates, central banks, uh, before we move off that. You mentioned there that uh, the Fed said they were going to keep rates low and then they changed their mind and they are now increasing aggressively. We had uh, the RBA here say they weren't going to raise right rates until 2024. That's right. Uh, they're raising rates. Yes. Uh, and yet, so despite the fact that a lot of what central banks say at one time turn out not to be true, people still put so much stock in what they say today. Well, I think the reason why there's been this compression in PEs or why there's been so much fear and anxiety in markets is for the first time in a, in a long time, you haven't been able to rely on what the Fed says. So the central banks have become another variable where previously you knew what they were going to do because they did what they said they were going mm-hmm. to do and everything else was a variable. But now central bank policy itself is a variable and that makes it a lot harder. It's another another plate that we have to spin and try and stop from crashing. <laughs> you know, it's another another difficult thing to try and anticipate. So do you try and anticipate no. them at all? No, no, just, no. We're looking uh, at individual yeah. stocks. You know, yeah. we're thinking about growth. We're thinking about businesses. You know, I mentioned earlier that I've I've put some, some more money into this pollen capital small and mid cap fund. The average return on equity of the stock, a stock in that portfolio is double the market average. Uh, earnings growth is expected to be circa mid 20%, mm. sort of 25% for the next five years. And you can now buy it on a PE of 25. Mm. Whereas, you know, in October last year, it was 44 times earnings. Yeah. So you've got you know, you've got this great growth. These are companies like Toole. You know, if you if you ride bikes, Bryce, I know you ride bikes, yep. you know, you'll know about Toole roof racks and bike carriers. Yep. You know, well, in 140 countries in the world, Toole is number one. It's a global small cap. Um, there's only 200 companies countries in the world and in 140 countries in the world, it's number one. Uh, I haven't heard of it. Toolway? Toolway. T-H-U-L-E. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nice. T-H-U-L-E. I'm obviously Toole. not a cyclist. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Some people call it Thule. They come up with all different ways of pronouncing it. It's Toolway. Yeah, okay, um, nice. You know, another one, which is another business that the fund owns, which I think is just an amazing business, is a, a company called Yeti. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeti. Yeti have a cult following, Y-E-T-I. The microphones? No, no. Oh, okay. they, they make eskies. <laughs> oh, I'll shut up. <laughs> they, make, they make eskies, but they have a cult following in the United States. People pay 400 US yeah. dollars for an esky. Really? Yeah, primo oh, eskies. Are they like, uh, Really? Now, yeah. here's the funny thing. I've, I've got a property in northeast Victoria, a little farm, mm. and uh, there's a post office there, a little town called Mount Beauty. And in this town called Mount Beauty, um, there's a post office, and the new guy who's bought the post office, what he's done is he's the post office part of the store and he's expanded the outfitters part of the store. So he's got mountain bike gear, he's got oh, hiking gear. Mm. You know, it's a real adventure playground down there. Yeah. Um, it's right near Falls Creek. And one of the brands he stocks is Yeti. If a white page was nowhere, a map of nowhere, Mount Beauty's in the middle of it. <laughs> and, you know, but it is a beautiful place. I've got to say, you know, I probably shouldn't be talking about it because I want to keep it <laughs> yeah, secret. Yeah. But there, of all places in the world, they stock Yeti. Mm. Now, Yeti's revenue is about 95% generated in the United States. If they can build the cult following that they've got in the US elsewhere in the world, well, the sky's the limit. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. just incredible. So, you know, and if you like gin and tonic, Fever Tree, you know, make a really great brand of tonic. They've got a really, really interesting strategy for rolling out their tonic water and displacing the incumbents in every country they go into. What they do first is they go into the pubs, they go into the bars, and they only supply it. 
yeah. to bars and pubs. So people order a G&T or another drink that's got gin, uh, tonic in it and um, people, you know, they, the bartenders pour it and everyone who's never seen Fever Tree before say, oh, what's that? And they explain what it is. And then a little while later it's in the supermarkets and guess what? Everyone buys it because yeah, they saw it in the pubs. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, these are, these are great businesses. They've fallen a lot. You know, the share price and the PE, the share price has fallen because the PEs have compressed, but they're still growing. They're generating cash. They're all profitable. They're not these profitless prosperity companies that you alluded to earlier. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these are the sort of businesses we want to be investing in. Mm, yeah. And you want to be, as I said earlier, you want to be hungry or greedy when everyone else is fearful. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Well, Ren sold his car this morning just to get some liqui yeah, liquidity. Yeah, getting liquidity <laughs> however <laughs> I can. Needs to get into the market. Well, I'm glad you mentioned it. I sold my car nice. uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> um, uh, I got what I paid for it five years ago, even though I put 30,000 Ks on it. <laughs> <laughs> and my son, I advised him to sell his car as well. He's going to Japan for an exchange program and he sold his car. Uh, he was going to keep it because he was only going for six months. He was going to keep it. And I said, mate, second-hand car price is going to drop mm. and you want liquidity, so sell your car now yeah. and just buy a scooter and, you know, get an electric scooter. So he bought an electric scooter and Away he's riding around nice. on that, catching the train. Yeah. Uh, and I think second-hand car prices are abnormally high and everyone talks about supply chain bottlenecks and you can't get a new car. You will be able to get a new car. Yeah. It'll take a year or two, but you will be able to. And when that happens, secondhand prices are going to plummet. Yeah. And they'll go back to what they should be. They won't go back 10% or 15%. They'll drop 30, 40, 50%. It's really testing everyone's, uh, you know, everyone's so used to now being able to get everything they want here and now. Mm. I went to buy a new computer yesterday and it, Apple's usually two-day delivery. Yes. 12 weeks at the moment. Wow, which is there you go. 12, 12 weeks. weeks, yeah. And I was just blown away for a company that prides itself on we will get this to you. I mean, so in get the meantime, you're going to use a stone tablet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Roger, I just do want to close out the inflation piece. Um, what, what indicators or, um, you know, over what period of time uh, will it take you to consider that it might not be transitory? Like what would, what would it take for you to say, you know what, I've- If short-term inflation expectations creep into long-term inflation expectations. So at the moment, if you look at the 210 treasury spread, um, which is the the yield difference between two-year bonds and 10-year bonds, uh, you can see that that's inverted. If you look at the TIPS, which is the Treasury Inflation, Inflation Protected Securities, that's inverted. That tells you that the bond market at least, forget about what the equity market thinks, but the bond market at least thinks that inflation is transitory, that longer-term inflation is going to be much, much lower than current inflation rates. If that starts to flatten and steepen, uh, then that would be a signal that short-term inflation expectations are starting to inflect, infect long-term expectations and then the bank would banks would have to be a lot more hawkish and that would be a much more negative scenario. Yeah, right. Mm. Well, Roger, before we uh, move on uh, and talk about some more stocks that are in the Montgomery portfolio, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. Confidence starts with loving who you are. 
And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. Now, Roger, before the break, uh, we have spoken about, we've covered a lot of ground already, but you've mentioned yeah. five stocks and I've been madly typing as you've been talking, just so I'm getting them all down. <laughs> Macquarie Telecom, ARB, Thule. Tool. 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 See, they Tool. come up with everything but the right name. Tool. Which is I was, just, I was just testing you. <laughs> oh, no, very good. Very good. Uh, Yeti. Not the microphones. No. Not the microphones. <laughs> and Fever Tree. I had a quick look at all of them. All profitable, all have a PE ratio. Yes. Um, and <laughs> we, are, we try and only invest in quality, right? Yeah. And I, I want to turn this conversation to unprofitable tech because that's yes. the part of the industry that's really hurting. Yeah. Here, we're seeing zip down 90%. Overseas, we've seen similar stories play out. Um, but I want to start with this question those five are all profitable. Would you invest in an, an unprofitable tech company? Do you know what? There, there is a scenario where our small cap fund would do that. And that's because those profitless prosperity stocks are more leveraged to a recovery in the stock market, mm. right? And so they go up the most. I wrote, and I'm not suggesting these companies now, but, you know, I wrote about WeWork and Peloton and those businesses last year and the year before when they were at all-time highs. I mean, it was absurd that WeWork was trading at a higher market capitalization than all of the property owners that it was renting properties yeah, from true. combined, <laughs> you know. And then Peloton, you know, the idea that Peloton, which sells a stationary bicycle, um, was worth, you know, $18 billion or whatever it was mm. at the time. It might have even been higher than that. That was just crazy. The fit, and everyone knows that the fitness industry just surged, just, it literally lurches over the decades. It just lurches from fad to fad to fad. Mm -hmm. That's how the fat fitness industry goes. And this is just another fad yeah. that will pass. Uh, and so would we buy those sorts of businesses? Look, if we felt that it gave us the most leverage to the upside and it was relatively the best quality in a sector that we were underweight. Um, the small cap fund is trying to beat the small cap index by 10 to 15% per annum. And the, the only way to do that is to neutralize any risk of a particular sector going up yeah. and driving the index higher. So what you, what the small cap guys want to do, Gary Rollo and Dominic Rose is they are saying, okay, well, we're underweight this part of the, the index. These stocks are in our index. We're underweight that. Do we have a negative view on that? Do we, are we, are we, should we be short? Cause mm -hmm. we are effectively short if we're underweight. Yeah, yeah, and if yeah. they're not willing to be underweight, they'll neutralize it by getting to market weight. So they will own those yeah. sorts of stocks. And the fact is that they, as I said a moment ago, they do have the most leverage to the upside. They'll bounce the hardest when it's risk on again, when people decide it's time to load up on stocks. They'll want to take those crazy stocks again because they're the ones that are going to rally the most. Mm. 
What a moment that will be. <laughs> <laughs> Might be some way off yet. Yeah. We'll wait and see. What if you go the other end of town, the, the big end, the big profitable end, the Amazons, the, the alphabets, you know, where, where are you sitting on, on that? Well, they're the last to be dumped. Mm. You know, they're the, most re- they're the ones that came off most recently. They were the, the stocks that people held and that, they were the stocks that held the market up, disguising what was going on underneath. You know, mm. there was a real rot. Mm. that was happening underneath. A lot of the small caps were already falling. But those companies are rare businesses. Even in business school, we never anticipated that a company could generate a higher return on equity as it got bigger. Yeah. Mm. Typically, as companies get bigger, they attract competition. And, you know, the easiest thing to do is to compete on price. That erodes your profit margin or your profitability. And so return on equity starts to drop. But these businesses, the Microsofts, Apples, um, Googles, Amazon, even Netflix to a certain degree, those businesses, they kept generating higher rates of return on equity as they doubled and tripled and quadrupled mm-hmm. their equity. And you, you, you couldn't contemplate. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's first prize in investing, right? Yeah. If I said to you, here's a bank account. So, Ren, here's a bank account with a million dollars in it earning 1%. But if you can get $10 million in it from family and friends, I'll give you 10%. Yeah. And if you get $100 million, I'll give you 20%. Yeah. And if you get a billion, I'll give you 50%. <laughs> you know, that's what those businesses were yeah. doing. They were increasing the equity and generating a higher return on equity. They're still going to be doing that in the future, I suspect. And the crazy thing is last week Alphabet was trading at a 15 PA. Yeah, well, it's, it's bounced back a bit this week. I but I think it's still you can buy Apple on a lower PE than that. You might want to check it up. Yeah. The f- forward PE for Apple is even lower. What you've just said there about how amazing these businesses are isn't new news. Yeah. Like people have been astonished by these businesses for a number of years. Why was it that Apple and Alphabet had a lower PE than Coles? <laughs> <laughs> You're asking me to explain sentiment. Yeah. You know, why yeah, do people yeah. do what they do? <laughs> why do people do what they do? I mean, these are this is why I love the stock market so much as a place to work because people are irrational with mm. money. And you put them all in one room in one place and you get them to trade with their money where they, you know, it's not like property where it's marked to market once every 10 years. Mm. You know, it's when you sell it, when you trade it or seven years, it's marked to market every minute. Yeah. Uh, and so it reacts much quick, much more quickly to reflect people's change in sentiment and it can build on itself very quickly. I can't explain why people do what they do, yeah. but I'm glad they do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. creates opportunity. Correct. Yeah, you know, and and I'm as I said earlier, I'm investing for five years plus. I'm not investing for tomorrow or next week or next month. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm, you know, I, I see ARB or Reese or REA Group or Fisher and Paykel Healthcare or Cochlear or CSL or Macquarie Bank. You know, I see these stocks fall twenty percent, thirty percent or more, and I think unreal. Mm, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, this yeah. is great. Yeah. Well, that's what we've been talking about on the show for the last few weeks. You know, we're trying to uh, ensure that everyone in the community feels like this is an opportunity that should be exciting, not one where you're looking. Of course, everyone's looking at a portfolio and seeing a lot of red. But, um, you know, you've listed some companies there that we've for the last 12, 18 months have been speaking about as some of the best companies in Australia. And, and they are. And mm. yeah. And then you get an opportunity like this and um, well, we- Ren's selling his car. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> can, I, can I share with you a quote from Warren Buffett? And I'm going to do this off the top of my head. But years and years ago, he said this. He said, your job as an investor is to purchase at a rational price a part share of an easy-to-understand business whose earnings are virtually certain to be materially higher in 5, 10, 20 years from now. 
he went on to add after that, he said, put together a portfolio of businesses whose earnings march upward over the years and so will the value of the portfolio. Mm. And that's that's all you have to do. Mm. You know, and what is a rational price? Well, down 35, 40, 50%, more rational than it was before, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> you know, you know, and remember the lower the price you pay, the higher your return. Mm. So do the, do that. Be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. You can't help but do well. And I know a lot of your listeners uh, are people who are young. They have a really long runway for investing ahead of them. Yeah. If you're in your 20s, you're going to be investing for potentially another 80 years. Yeah. You don't think you are, but you are. And I promise you there's going to be more booms in the next 80 years mm. and there'll be some busts in yeah. the next 80 years. But when you see the busts, load up. Mm. You're going to do fine. Well, I'm spewing because I'm heading into a wedding soon, Roger, and it is burning my absolute <laughs> dry powder, that's for sure. Yeah, I know. You don't want to go into a wedding and say, look, darling, I saved 40%. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's not a happy start. Could, yeah, could I get it, that. Could do it. Well, Just get I, through that, get through that, and then start saving and I, investing. I think Bryce at the wedding should have a wishing well, but rather than cash, people give him stocks. True. So that's not bad. It's that's, yeah, no registry. Maybe the Just, boat, though, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, Roger, you said there and, you, you know, you, you made it sound so simple, buy great businesses with growing earnings at a rational price. And sure. I think where people get tripped up uh, is the rational price part of it. And yes. I want to give your book a uh, shout out, Valuable. It's a, it's a really good one. Uh, you can buy it on Roger's website. You can buy it wherever good books are sold. But there's some uh, great valuation stuff in there. But for people who haven't read the book yet, mm. when you're trying to work out rational price, yes. what are some of the steps you and your team take? I'll make it really simple for everybody. Let's say you've got a business with equity of $10 and it's generating a 20% return on equity. So it's throwing, it's, it's generating $2 of earnings on its $10 of equity every year. What would you pay for that 20% return? Obviously, if you could buy it for $10, you're going to get 20% a year. Mm. You'd own the whole business. Yeah. I just buy the whole thing. Forget about the stock market. Turn the stock market off and just own the whole business. Well, in this environment, you know, I'd be happy with a 10% return. So I could pay double the equity. I could pay $20 for that $10 of equity and I'm going to get a 10% return. So what I do is I search the market looking for those opportunities. Where can I get... Where can I pay the lowest multiple of equity for a business that's sustainably going to generate a high rate of return on equity? And that's all I'm trying to do. Mm. So wait for the really bad days, you know, when the, the NASDAQ closes down 4% or 5% or 6% and you know it's going to be a bad day on the market in Australia the next day. Those are the days where you get some really crazy overreactions. As I said earlier, you know, there was a stock that downgraded their revenue by 1% and the shares fell 35%. Mm. I mean, that's what you want, Yeah, mm. you know, those sorts of businesses. But, you know, the question investors should ask themselves before they invest in any shares, don't ask yourself, is this stock going to go up tomorrow or next week or next month? Ask yourself this question, is it going to earn a lot more money? Am I sure it's going to be earning a lot more money in five years from now? Mm. Because then what that question, the answer to that question raises a whole bunch of new questions, such as who's going to stop it? from earning more money. When it mm. starts earning more money, are there other entrants that have got deeper pockets that could compete with it more effectively? 
I get offered opportunities to invest in unlisted businesses all the time. So what I'm always looking for is, you know, who's going to knock this business off its perch? How can I be sure this is going to be the, yes, it's obviously a very good business now, but who is going to knock it off its perch? Mm. How can it be knocked off its perch? Why do I believe that these guys are going to win? And that's what you want to ask. Is this going to be the company that dominates its competitive landscape in five or 10 years? If it's doing it today, will it sustain it? If it's not doing it yet, how's it going to get there? Answer that question. You'll know whether or not it's going to earn a lot more money in mm. the future. Mm. Yeah. For those in the community who are sitting there with a bit of dry powder or selling cars to get some cash <laughs> or thinking about, oh, you know, hearing everyone say this is a great opportunity, but also knowing that it's, you know, you don't want to try and be timing the market or waiting for the bottom. What are some simple strategies or way to, ways to think through about entering the market at times like this or, the, you know, the process of buying into a falling market? Turn the stock market off. Turn off all the noise. You don't need it. You know, it's just distracting you. Mm. You know, when you buy a house or you buy a farm or you buy a Domino's pizza franchise, you know, do you do you go on the screen and have a look at where it's trading at at lunchtime? <laughs> you know, do you come home and you say, oh, darling, you know, two betters are going through the moving average. We should sell and buy one better. <laughs> you know, you know, you don't. You know, nobody behaves like that with yeah. other assets. So yeah. why do you behave like that with stocks? Turn the stock market off. Mm. Don't think about it. And just look at the business and say, you know what? I reckon this business is a really good one. I think it's got, you know, structural tailwinds. It's going to keep growing irrespective of what's happening in the economy. Uh, okay. Turn the stock market back on now. Where's it trading? Oh, gee, it's fallen 40%. Fantastic. I'll buy it. Then turn the stock market back off again. Stop <laughs> looking at it, mm. you know, and put it in the bottom drawer. And you want to keep up to date with how the business is going, but you don't need to keep up to date with how the price is going. Mm. Because if the business does what you analysed it would do, then the share price will look after itself. Mm. Awesome. Love that. All right. So um, to close out, Roger, um, you've already mentioned, as Ren said, a couple of great stocks there, but are there any others that, um, you know, you've dropped that 30, 40% that are really uh, getting you excited sure. at the moment? Yeah. So IDP Education, the code's IEL, that's a business that we think is going to see some really, really strong growth in earnings in the short term because for a number of reasons, which I'll talk about in a moment, but longer term, they're going to continue to do well. What they do, they run the IELTS, which is the International English Language Testing System. So if you want to get a job in Canada or the United States or in the, in, in, uh, the UK or in Australia, you want to become a resident or you want to become a citizen, you've got to do the IELTS test, you've got to do the English language test, and it costs money to do that. They run that test globally and they also do a lot of university placements. Mm. They run those university placements with Cambridge and Oxford. You know, they've got university partners. They've just bought out one of their university partners in India. India is one of the fastest growing for university placements uh, into English-speaking countries. The other problem that they've had is that they haven't been able to raise price very much. And that, the reason why is they've been competing with their partner uh, in India. They've bought their partner out. There's no competitive competition anymore. So they'll be able to increase prices. And a large portion of that price increase is going to drop straight to the bottom line. So they're going to see uh, rapid growth in earnings in the next couple of years. And beyond that, they'll continue to see growth because as borders reopen, and we start seeing migration again, people returning to universities internationally as things normalise and people become less fearful about being locked in 
to a country, uh, then what you're going to see is you're going to see earnings growth sustained over a long period of time. Mm. So they've got a relatively high PE still, but you're going to see growth that's going to bring down that PE quite quickly. We spoke to Julia Lee last week, and she was also a big fan of yeah. IDP education. So mm. it's getting a bit of getting a bit of buzz at the moment. Oh, I probably should sell it if everyone's, <laughs> if everyone's actually talking about it. It's probably time to sell it. Uh, yeah. Any uh, any others that are um, that are front of mind? Uh, yeah, well, another small cap that we think is interesting is a company called Symbio. Symbio is the old MyNet phone. What they do is they provide old network functionality for new network convenience. So, you know, when you, you've got an Uber coming, you know, there's a little message there, you know, the Uber's on its way or the driver sends you a text, you know, I'm, I'm at the front gate yeah. and you write back, I'll be there soon, you know, whatever the message is that's pre-populated by Uber. Yeah. You have to use a phone number. And if you're, if you plug in your phone to Apple AirPlay into the car, or I think it's Google Play or Apple Air, AirPlay or CarPlay, you'll see this sort of really long 20 digit number or 30 digit number. They're real phone numbers. That communication between you and the driver is occurring on a phone network mm. where real numbers are being used. You just don't see the number. You think you're talking to the driver. You're not calling his mobile and he's not texting you from his mobile. Yeah. And Symbio provides that network of phone numbers for all of those services. Yeah, right. wow. So they've got massive customers, you know, really big customers using those services. Now, what's really interesting about them is they dominate in Australia and they've just moved into Asia. And they think the market in Asia is 10 or 20 times bigger than Australia for them. If they can even capture, you know, a, a decent percentage of what the size of the market is, then their business is going to be substantially larger than they are today. Remember earlier I said you want to find businesses that you're very, very confident are going to grow their earnings over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Well, there are two businesses that we think we're very confident uh, are going to grow their earnings. Yeah, right. Wow. I love that, especially because it's an Australian tech company that I've never heard of before. Yeah. And it, there you go. even more, it's a profitable Australian <laughs> tech company that sure. I've never heard of before. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, um, any more? Oh, look, I've got dozens, dozens and dozens. <laughs> yeah, dangerous true, question. dangerous. Why don't, we, well, why don't we come back, get me back yeah, next we'll time? Yeah, we'll get back next time. Okay. So just to close out, we had uh, a few that you mentioned throughout the episode, um, Macquarie Telecom, ARB, Tule. Yeti. Did you get it right? Yeah, too late. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Yeti, Fever Tree, you rattled off Reese, REA Group, uh, IDP Education, Symbio. So plenty of opportunity and uh, I know the list is extensive and uh, we'll definitely have to get you on. But, Roger, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. It great was, to be with um, you guys again. Always love talking to you guys. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's, it's so seamless fun. for me because, yeah. <laughs> you know, you make it so easy for oh, me. Roger, you make it easy for us. Yeah. Oh, no, you're yeah. very kind. You're very kind. Yeah, thank seriously, you. that was uh, enjoyable. I learned a lot as I always do and I'm sure the Equity Mates community did as well so thank Fantastic. you so much for your time a pleasure guys look forward to seeing you again thanks Rod. Equity Mates Investing Podcast is a product of Equity Mates Media all information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals it is not intended as a substitute for professional finance legal or tax advice The hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. 
Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast or video. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website, where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional grade industrial supplies, count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.